Hi there, I'm Lise, and I'm your host for the Creative Minds podcast brought to you by members. You guessed it. This is a podcast for creative minds where we discuss the creator economy, social media, communities, and the ups and downs in the lives of content creators. Here you'll find topics if you're simply curious about the creator economy or even if you're an expert in the field. Tune in every Thursday and get early access on members, downloadable on Google Play and the App Store. Hello again all and welcome back to the Creative Minds podcast brought to you by members. In our very first episode, we spoke briefly about communities, but today we have a very special guest with us to share her experience in taking something extremely toxic, sharing her story and building a strong and like-minded community around her journey. So please give a very warm welcome to Mimi, or as some of you may know her on TikTok as the recovering Tanaholic. Mimi, welcome! Hi. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a nice introduction. So, Mimi, you have single-handedly changed my life by bringing awareness to a topic that I had like no idea was even a problem for my life. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about who you are and what is this journey that I've been talking about. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, so my name is Mimi Watt and um, I'm from Sydney, Australia. I'm 27. I grew up here. And uh, this journey that you're mentioning, Lise, is my journey to overcoming what I call a fake tan addiction. So living in Australia, there's a massive culture here of being fit, tanned, like by the beach. And I sort of grew up with that culture from a very young age. And I'm naturally very fair, very pale skin. And I went through, I guess, a series of situations that led me to becoming, you know, have a, a huge dependency on fake tan to feel confident and to feel worthy. And it wasn't until maybe four months ago now that I've started to actually try and overcome this addiction. And I started documenting it on TikTok with no expectations at all and no idea that there was so many other people like yourself and like myself out there who are also struggling with a fake tan addiction. So yeah, I'm actually so touched to hear that it's changed your life and that it's had an impact on you. So yeah, that's, that's the journey. That is, I feel like I've also been through a sort of like a roller coaster when it comes to like finding out about who you are and telling people about you and being like, wow, like she has made me realize that it, it has been a problem because I remember that I, when I first saw your TikToks, I was like, things my psychiatrist has told me about my fake tan addiction. And I was like, she doesn't look like she has a fake tanning addiction. And you kept popping up on my For You page. And then I was like, well, maybe... I don't look like someone who has a fake tanning addiction because when you think about a fake tan addiction, my mind immediately goes to like Trisha Paytas on My Strange Addiction of this like very, very orange girl with a low self-esteem who has been like abusing tanning beds. And it's not always like that. It's it's something that's way more hidden and silent and it really starts eating you out from the inside, right? Yeah, that's interesting. You're right. When you think of fake tan addiction, you do sort of have those images of, you know, I think there's a term that goes around. People call it blackface, where Mm -hmm. you see images of people with just the fake tan is so dark and so ridiculous that it's quite shocking to look at. But as you just mentioned, it's it doesn't have to be that dramatic for it to still have a really strong hold over you and over your life and your confidence. Yeah. But when... When did you feel like this was um, starting to be a problem in your life? Or maybe let's go a little bit back. When did you even start fake tanning? Yeah, so I started fake tanning around the age of 15. So in high school, maybe year eight, year nine, I think is around the time when I started fake tanning. So pretty young. But 
why? Like you mentioned that it's like a big culture thing in, in Australia. Like were all your friends nice in town and you're feeling maybe left out? Yeah. So it sort of stemmed from some bullying that went on in high school. And there was a particular group of girls who were the popular girls and they all had tans and like beautiful bronze skin. And unfortunately, I guess kids being kids, they were quite nasty about it. And I know for myself and I think a few other girls, anyone who was really pale who looked different was ostracized. And um, yeah, I was bullied quite a lot by them, you know, just sort of making pretty nasty comments like, ew, like you look disgusting. You're so pasty, like a ghost and, you know, putting their skin up against mine and comparing it. And I guess when that happens enough times at such a young, impressionable age, you start to believe it. And so you start to think, oh my gosh, there must be something wrong with me. So that's what happened to me. And then uh, I guess fake tan was around then. So, you know, myself and other girls in my year as well discovered fake tan and that appeared to be this like magical solution mm-hmm. to this problem of being bullied for my skin color. Mm-hmm. But just thinking about when you started fake tanning, because I think of like whenever I when I, when I started to do makeup in um, in like uh, in school, like my first makeup looks, obviously they were horrendous, <laughs> and like being fake tan for years, like you already get the steps down. Like, do you remember being at a point where maybe it was like your first or second tan and you looked completely bizarre or? Yeah, I definitely remember not being very good at it in the beginning. So I would have like streaks and patches and that was actually, that just took, that didn't stop the bullying straight away. It almost just gave them something else to pick on because, you know, it was obviously very obvious and you can see the fake tan. So then they would make comments of like, oh, like I can see your fake tan or yeah, it it sort of just kept going. Um, And it took me a long time to figure out how to fake tan in a way that looked, you know, decent and then good and then pretty natural like as natural as it can be and I'm sure as as you know like you fully get the routine down pat and you have all your little tricks and things that you do so yeah it took me took me some time Something that I also realized when I was watching your uh, videos was that you mentioned so in, in a TikTok that a poorly blended or faded slash flaky tan is still prettier than no tan. This was a few weeks ago for me. I was at a um, I was at a wedding and obviously I was like full tanned and like feeling myself and I was looking at my wrists and where your palm starts, there was a streak for me. And since it was like really hot and everything, I could see my tan sort of like fading away. And I was like, how have I been thinking for years that this looks better than no tan at all? Yeah, yeah. I think it's with that, for me, I guess, speaking from personal experience, at the height of my addiction to the fake tan or the dependency on it, I think your brain has a very clever way of looking past, I guess, those flaws because the need to not expose yourself is just greater than maybe how seeing a bit of patchy fake tan might make you feel. So I think that's what it is. It's like until you have a certain level of awareness that, hang on, I think this is actually a problem. um, I think we just see past it. Does that make sense? It does. For me, it does. But I feel like for so many people, it actually doesn't. Because when I told my boyfriend that you agreed to be on this podcast, and he was like, well, what the hell is a fake tan addiction? And what do you have to do with it? And I was like, do you remember seeing me the night before we have a big event? No, I'm in the bathroom. I'm showering for hours. I'm exfoliating. I'm shaving, moisturizing, moisturizing again. You don't see me the night before a big event. Like, how is that not a problem? 
I've never had a problem or had to skip out on things because of a fake tan. But for so many people, it's way beyond that. And I remember seeing a TikTok from you where you said that your boyfriend was planning, uh, you're talking about a trip to Europe yeah. and your mind just went absolutely bonkers because it's like, you don't know how you're going to keep up with your tan. And it may be stupid to some people. You may think like, so what's the big deal? But but it is. And I think it's crucial to spread this awareness to people who, because if, if I wouldn't have found out about you, maybe it would have gotten that bad. And that being said, I'm so glad that I found you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, that sort of comes back to why I started the TikTok in the first place, because for my whole life, this issue has been so trivialized by people in my life, like my parents, my sort of some close friends, past boyfriends. You know, if I would ever talk about it, it was always shut down very quickly and always, as I said, trivialized. So people would make comments about like, why do you care about that? That's so ridiculous. Like, why don't you just stop doing it or all these things. And people don't understand that, okay, I I can see how you think this is such a superficial issue and it's not important, but for people like for yourself maybe and for me and all these other women or all these other people where it's a very real problem it can feel so isolating because I think there's a lot of shame around it because when something feels so real for you but people on the outside are make are minimizing that problem so much and if you don't have anyone in your life that you think will relate or understand it's really hard and that's why I started the TikTok because I wanted to I just felt like I had to talk about it because I had so many thoughts going around in my head and um initially just started it almost like a digital diary. And then turns out it's a big, big issue that no one was really talking about. So I think as I started to talk about it, that's why people, you know, gathered really quickly. Um, and it just it grew much faster than I was anticipating. Yeah. <laughs> did you start your TikTok while you were already on that journey? Or did you sort of like uh, start the account to be like, hold yourself accountable? Good question. It was... Um, So I was sort of at a point in the journey where I knew it was a problem and I knew I reached a point where I I knew I wanted to do something about it. So I knew I wanted to overcome it because I just couldn't live with the hold that it had on me anymore. So I did start it as a bit of a cathartic process. I thought, well, if I'm talking about this, like being authentic, letting it out, maybe that will sort of take away some of the power it has over me. So yeah, it was sort of at the beginning of this process and I guess as a yeah, as a way to sort of keep me accountable and just give me an outlet. I feel like always with battling some sort of addiction, there is some fallbacks. You still fall back into like, oh, I'm not strong enough to do this. Mm-hmm. Any experience with that? Oh, definitely. Like it's not been easy. In the beginning of the first few months when I started documenting the process, I was very openly, um, you know, still fake tanning and I was sort of just talking about the struggle and like what it feels like and all the thoughts that would go through my head every week when the tanning day would come around. And that was the first phase. And then I was sort of trying to work myself up to stopping fake tanning. Uh, And that was a really scary sort of hurdle that I was trying to work towards. And as you mentioned before, I've been seeing a psychologist and she's been helping me to work up to this point and to understand why I feel so strongly about it um, and sort of just to reprogram some of my thoughts around it. And that was three weeks ago. So I stopped fake tanning fully three weeks ago. Wow. And put it on again. And I don't really plan to at this point. And it's been an interesting like three weeks. There's been a real mix of emotions. So on the one hand, I felt quite a sense of relief, a lot of an empowerment 
that I've been able to take this step and I've just like ripped off the bandaid and I'm like, okay, like this is me, I'm doing it. But there's definitely been moments and days where I felt so vulnerable and so confronted by my own appearance that, you know, I've had really negative thoughts. Like I look in the mirror and think, okay, is this what we're working with? <laughs> like, <laughs> which is such a horrible thing to say. It is. But it's crazy how much it warps your mind. Like just, yeah, I really have had moments where I've looked in the mirror and thought, yuck, which is horrible. And I don't think that about other people when I see other people with pale skin, but, you know, it's like we're our own harshest critics. So there's definitely been times like that, but Today, in fact, and even just in the last few days, I've actually started to have a few moments where I'm really liking what I see in the mirror and I'm really enjoying the feeling of just like natural, clean skin, like no makeup, no fake tan and trying to find appreciation for what I do have. So it's slowly starting to turn, but I am also anticipating that there will there will be maybe some setbacks and, and pitfalls because, as you said, with an addiction, it's not just a linear process. Yeah, I'm I'm so proud of you though for for that. I I don't know how that slipped uh, slipped by me that you've been tan free for 3 weeks. And I I'm having an out of body experience at the moment because I feel like two two girls just congratulating themselves but wow, you haven't faked tan. My it's still it seems like such a weird concept to like people who may be like listening on the outside like, "Oh girl, I'm so proud of you." But it is a big deal. It's really a big deal. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Lise. Thank you so much. But what has the response been from people when um, maybe you were like at the peak of the addiction? Because I feel like when I started to fake tan, I started very gradually. It was first you chose the medium skin tone, then you chose the darker one, then the super dark one. So it gets even darker over time. So were you ever at a point where people started to accuse you of blackface? Um, No, I haven't. But there was definitely a point in my fake tanning journey where I was, you know, I was applying like sometimes two to three layers of ultra dark fake tan. So yeah, people made comments around like you, you're so dark or like you just, you don't look like yourself or I can't believe how much like fake tan you're wearing. So yeah, there were definitely, there was, there was a peak where it was really dark. And I think again, like I was so wrapped up in the addiction that of course I couldn't see if it looked bad. I just thought like the darker, the better. But yeah, so never been called blackface, but for sure there was times where I think I took it too far. Yeah. Absolutely. But something that I noted, I was in, um, in Thailand in April and which was uh, like for my skin it was like a very stressful situation because like the first stage you don't really want to get into the pool you're sweating you see like my knee pits became so white from all the sweat (laughs) but and I didn't really want to go near any pool or the beach in the first few days because the tan was like so fresh and by the end it was our last day and I met up with this uh, local Thai girl and like my tan had already faded I was pretty much my good old pale self and then she was just looking at my skin my face because I wasn't wearing any makeup she was like your skin is so beautiful and I was like well yeah I've been taking care of my like my skin doing some new skincare and then she was like no 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 like your entire complexion it's just beautiful and I was like like what the hell are you talking about like I started to like be sorry on her behalf like oh no 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 stop you don't have to say that but it was like she was genuine she thought that I was like the most beautiful thing she had ever seen. And I was like so uncomfortable with it, knowing that I feel like I was at my peak like a week ago. And you're saying that like, this is beautiful. And then she 
she couldn't understand like how could I feel this way because like it's so beautiful and it was it was so 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 weird and I we we had the discussion about like skin tones and and all that and she said that she's a travel guide and she works like out in the sun all year round so she was like pretty pretty tan and she said that like her family like thinks that she since she has such a you know simple job she's not a doctor she's not a lawyer or something like that and she has to work with like people and outside that it's a bit frowned upon on in her family and I was like I'd be lucky to have your skin tone and we we were so envious of each other like why is that it's so sad to me that just goes to show how psychological this all is like our self-image how we perceive ourselves is so based on whatever society feeds us, whatever society deems to be beautiful. We just take that message and that's what becomes or what feels like facts. It feels real. So, you know, you can say, how can you have people of color trying to dye their skin lighter to attain beautiful and then having pale skinned people trying to go darker to attain beautiful? It's like, well, any logic would say that doesn't make sense, but it's it goes to show that it's like well it's just based on the culture you live in the the messages society has fed you and yeah and, and what you are subject to from the beauty industry and and what messages are being portrayed to us so i guess in in her culture there is that message of well being tan or brown is associated with maybe a low socioeconomic status and working in like a low paying job because you're outside and therefore it's frowned upon. Therefore it's not desirable. It's not something you want. You want the opposite. But then in Australia where I am, as I was saying earlier, the culture is all about bronzed, tanned, beach, bikini, beautiful, and that's it. And if you're not that, then you're not beautiful. You're not desirable. So yeah, it just goes to show it's all, it's all psychological. And unless we can, start to shift the narrative for ourselves as individuals we will just be you know following what we're told and unfortunately a lot of people so many people suffer greatly because of that but it's still it's like you said before you are the only person who who thinks that about yourself like when you you feel not so attractive when you're when you're pale because you know you don't think about that uh, about other pale people and it's the same from I've explained it to people about like wearing makeup. It's I think it's the most easiest thing to for other people to understand is that you're going to a big event. You're going to wear makeup. If you're going to a big event, you're going to be wearing something fancy like a dress. You're not going to show up in sneakers and sweatpants, but it's it's the exact same thought in my mind like I'm going to an event, I'm going to Thailand for a week. I have to fake tan. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a perfect way to put it for people who don't really understand. And I think that's sort of part of what I'm trying to do now is to bring awareness and highlight that fake tan is just the same as like feeling like you need makeup to feel attractive. Some people it's hair extensions, eyelash extensions, whatever it is. We all have our vice that makes us feel more confident and more beautiful. But for some reason, this fake tan I just don't think it's been spoken about much. So because it's new, people are sort of, they don't understand it. And I think anything we don't understand, people can, you know, we're just naturally as humans, I think we're just skeptical. And yeah, it's, if it's not, if there's not enough awareness, we just don't really take it on board unless you relate and you understand. So I'm glad we're doing this, this conversation because I want more people to, to know that they're not alone in, in the struggle with it. 
No, they're they're really not. But yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned um, eyelash extensions because I feel like when people are wearing eyelash extensions, you can see that they are wearing eyelash extensions. But for some people, you may not even know that they're fake tanning. And quite recently, I started to notice when someone is complimenting something on my fake tan skin, I start to be very apologetic. So like just last week, um, I was at an event and I still had some like very patchy fake tan on, but like from a distance, I still looked quite tan. And uh, someone came up to me and was like, wow, you're like, you're so tan. Like, have you had a great summer? And I was like, oh, no, no, this comes from a bottle. And I was like, why did they need to know that? Like, why? Why Why do I be, why am I so apologetic with this? Like, there's, there's no need for me to say something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Oh, I don't know why that happens. I guess because maybe you know it's fake and maybe there's this, a feeling of like, you don't want to be caught out or like pretending that it's real, but then someone being like, oh, it's fake tan. I don't know. I think, again, it brings into question the whole emotion of shame around it. Um, and I had sort of like a bit of an opposite experience where when people would compliment me on my tan, I would almost just try to play it off like it was real. Like I would say, oh, thanks so much. And I wouldn't say it was fake tan because I was too embarrassed to say that it wasn't real. So I think we all just have weird, different reactions to when people, you know, comment on it. Mm -hmm. There's no need to like talk about it. There was like no need for me to be like, oh, this is fake. It shows how much it just plays with your mind and how it's like ingrained somewhere in your brain. But I also recently saw a post on uh, one of the Kardashian girls' Instagram page that they were on a, a tropical island and they weren't tanned in any way. And if, if you start to think about how the Kardashians have such an impact on beauty standards, if the Kardashians are going pale, do you think like that's the, the light at the end of the tunnel for all of us fake tanners? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know the post you're talking about um, because I actually made a video about it and I was commenting on it because I hadn't seen them look. I mean, you think of the Kardashians and you think of bronze and and tan. So many years they have been. And, yeah, they were quite pale in this this image. Um, And I I was commenting on it, as you say, because they do have such a big impact on beauty standards. And I think they've impacted women all over the world and how we think we need to look to be beautiful. And look, I don't know if I would say it's the light at the end of the tunnel, but I think it's definitely been noticed by a lot of people. Um, I've seen comments going all around the internet, which just says that they are really in the spotlight when it comes to beauty standards and people pay attention to what they do. And so I think when I think of the Kardashians, I just think, you know, whatever they decide to do, they're always setting trends. So, and look, this is totally... Uh, this could be wrong, but my perspective on it is that I feel like ever since Courtney started dating Travis and Kim started dating Pete, they're both very, very pale men. And that is when I noticed a shift in the way they are portraying themselves, like not being as tan and being more pale and almost embracing a similar look. So, you know, a part of me thinks, well, it's nice, it's refreshing to see maybe maybe that's what they naturally look like, but is it just a trend because they're currently dating these people and, you know, it could change again, it could go back. So I would, I think it's an interesting thing to see and it's, I'm not going to lie, it did in a weird way make me feel slightly validated. It did sort of make me think, okay, if they can embrace the pale and make it look cool, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
you've made. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, I mean, did it have any impact on you? Um, I want to say no, because, you know, it's, it's something in my mind, but I think, I think it did subconsciously at least because, um, I feel like whenever someone is bringing more attention to to something or making something that I perceive to be like not beautiful, whether that be like, um, I don't know, being paler or or maybe putting on some weight. And if people still make it look good somehow, that is encouraging. But at the same time, you, you, you tap that like button and you think like, wow, that's so beautiful. But then you look at yourself and in the mirror that you're not Photoshopped, you're not there's no blur, there's no filter, and you're still like, well, they can be pale and beautiful, but I, I'm not. You sort of you you may ride that high for a second, but it just comes crashing down when you look at yourself in the mirror again. So it's a, it's a weird weird thing is social media and its beauty beauty standards. I really yeah oh I just like feel you so much when you say that in that moment because it's I think everyone listening to this podcast will agree that. We just all have moments where, you know, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we just find things we don't like or things we criticize about ourselves. And social media has done so much good in the world. I think it's such an amazing, powerful tool. Like the fact that I get to reach, you know, as many people as I have and, and you know, all sorts of creators. But I think it's also done a lot of damage because as you say, there's Photoshopping, there's filters, there's so much manipulation that can be done. And if we're constantly absorbing those images and telling our brain that like, oh my God, this is, I can't like, this is what beauty is. Like, how do I look like that? We're chasing this, I think, fantasy, like no one is perfect. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so again, it just keeps coming back down to it's it's up to us. I think it's our job as individuals to really take, you know, a look inside and say, well, how can I appreciate what I have and how can I find beauty in my own appearance and, and, and not even just your appearance, but in who you are as a person. So it's not, it's easier said than done, but I don't know. It's my two cents on it. Yeah, and that's that's really true. The worst or maybe even the funniest thing about this is that we may speak about the fact that you compare yourself to others and you're so like hyped up on like what you look like. But deep down we're all like intelligent, successful women who who have more values in their life and still something so trivial is having such a chokehold on us. It's like looking from the outside in, it may feel like you have so much other stuff going on in your life. You're such an amazing person. Like why is something so simple weighing you down? And there's there's no like logical explanation to it. It's just, I feel like everyone feels this way. I doubt that Kim Kardashian loves herself every single moment of every single day. And we're all trying to obtain some standard that not, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, I think social media being such a highlight reel, it can really paint this idea in people's minds that, oh, someone like Kim Kardashian doesn't have any insecurities and she just love must love how she looks all the time. And then we mere mortals feel like, <laughs> well, I'm never going to feel like that. Like I'm just an average human. Um, but you're right. It's just not true. Everyone's human and unless you're like a narcissistic psychopath, I think everyone experiences 
those ugly days, those days where you don't like what you see, where you're not very compassionate with yourself. And I think that's just a normal part of life. It is. It's just being human. Yeah. I also read an article that uh, you gave a comment to and that it really hurt when when I read that you had such an idea or thought in your head. Quoting you, if I'm lucky enough to have children one day, the first thought that comes to, he- to, to my head is how am I going to fake tan when I'm heavily pregnant? And how am I going to fake tan and keep up with this routine when I have a newborn baby? Has fake tanning like maybe pushed that part of your life into the future more? Or how do you feel about that? Um, has it pushed, do you mean like, has it made me put off having children sooner? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Um, either having children or, or other things like how, do you have like any other experiences on like how fake tan has stopped you from living your life? Mm-mm. So, I mean, in terms of, well, like the children aspect, first of all, it hasn't pushed it into the future. I think it's not something I'm ready for yet. Um, but yeah, that was a very, um, that felt super vulnerable to share that, that truth, like, you know, something that felt very true for me because it is quite, I guess it is quite sad to hear that, mm-hmm. but that just shows the extent of how much this addiction can hold you back in life. And so, yeah, it's definitely held me back. Um, I would say it's held me back in relationships, both platonic and romantic. I think because a fake town addiction, there's such a need to control that I think it does limit, it has limited sometimes the extent to which I can be authentic and truly open up and develop relationships further. That's one thing. Um, definitely with travel, like I, I think I've probably subconsciously put off certain holidays because of the fake tan addiction. So one of the common things I will talk about, which has resonated with so many people is this fear of like going to Europe or going somewhere tropical because there's this immediate association with being tanned on those holidays and being in the water, being in the sun. And any fake tanaholic is going to know that that just means bad news for people with fake tan. So Definitely, I think I've put off um, experiences out of a need to control my skin tone, to control the fake tan. Um, And I mean, I went on a big trip maybe four or five years ago now. I went traveling for six months and I went with my stepsister and she is, her mom is part Fijian, her dad's Polish. So she's got like beautiful tan skin. And we went to, um, we traveled around America. We went to Guatemala, to Mexico. And I vividly remember having plenty of days on that trip where I honestly had like meltdowns, emotional meltdowns because, because of my fake tan or not having fake tan on and just feeling so unconfident in my own skin. And especially being with someone who has the type of skin that I have wished for my whole life. And, you know, I think there was thoughts of like, oh, it just must be so easy for you. Like it's so effortless. You just get to wake up and look like that and feel good. Um, And yeah, it was a really big struggle at certain points on that trip. And it ruined certain parts of that trip because I just, that's what I was focused on rather than focusing on where am I in the world right now and what amazing experiences can I have? Who can I meet? Who can I engage with? So yeah, um, it has helped me back a lot. 
How about you? Same, absolutely same. Like I told you the uh, the story of uh, being in Thailand and like f- just fearing water for the first few days at least. And I felt the anxiety started to like go away as the trip progressed because I was like, oh, I'm going to be home and no one's going to care about my patchy ass <laughs> when I'm back home anyway. And I can get to like take care of the routine and go back to normal. Um, but I remember a specific uh, case. This was maybe less than a year ago. We went to Egypt and I did the same fake tanning routine. And when I was prepping for Egypt, a friend of mine was like, like, you're going to go to a place where you're going to get tan, like Egypt. Like you're going to come back with a great tan. Like why are you even tanning? And at the top, like the first thing that popped into my mind was just a lie. And it was like, oh, but when I fake tan, like the fake tan also like protects me from uh, getting burnt because like obviously I get burned really quick in the sun. And I was like, oh, like the fake tan, it just helps me from being like burnt on the first day. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, that was a lie. Like why, why did I need to lie to them? Like that in somewhere in my mind resonated with like, okay, it's an issue because I have to lie about it, but it doesn't really click in that moment. Yeah, totally. Um, that's I'm sorry you went through that and that's happened so many times as well with myself like and you'll see it even in some of the comments on my videos people when I talk about going overseas they'll say things like but you can just get a natural tan or like why don't you just go in the sun it's like not everyone has the ability genetically to tan naturally like I would if I could you know so um Yeah. And again, I think it's like, and those comments, you know, they come from people probably so innocently and it's a bit naively. um, And they're just so, why why can't you just tan? And the crazy thing is, is something that is so flippant and probably innocent coming from someone has such a big, uh, at least for me, a trigger. Like it triggers me so much because I'm like, you have no idea. (laughs) Like if I could, I would. Um, So yeah, it's crazy. And I just wanted to actually share with you, um, because I haven't really spoken about this much on my TikTok and I did mention it in another article, but there was a period of time back in 2020, the end of 2020, early 2021, where I stopped fake tanning for about four months. I had this massive meltdown one day where it was a Thursday morning and I was out on a walk listening to a podcast and the girl on the podcast said, she was talking about relationships and she said, you know, if you want to attract a truly authentic partner, you have to be truly authentic. And it just hit a nerve with me. And I remember going home that morning, collapsed on my bedroom floor, bawling my eyes out. And I just remember calling my sis, one of my sisters and I was like, I can't do it anymore. I just cannot do this anymore because it's so exhausting. And, um, yeah, it was one of those weird like moments where something shifted inside of me. Anyway, so I stopped fake tanning um, for a period of four months. And don't get me wrong, it was definitely not easy. Like it was still confronting. But for those four months, I remember feeling so liberated and so free. And it was honestly like my world opened up. I started, I took up surfing. I met all these amazing new friends surfing. We went on camping wow. trips. Like my business was doing the best it had ever done. I like, it was crazy. Like my, my world just opened up and that showed me how much my fake tan addiction had been holding me back without me even realizing it. I didn't even know. And so anyway, I relapsed after four months. 
I was going on a little trip with a girlfriend to a place where everyone's tanned. And so um, she was fake tanning and I was like, oh, like maybe I want to fake tan as well. But I felt like a drug addict, at least. Like yeah. I was like, oh my God, if I fake tan, am I going to relapse? And anyway, um, I did fake tan and I remember, yeah, it was like I got this hit and I was like, oh my God, like I forgot what it feels like to have a tan. And then, you know, then I left it for maybe three weeks and I did it again. And then it was like two weeks and then I eventually fell back into the habit. And then here we are like two years later or a year later or something. Um, but having that short experience of those four months almost gives me something now to hold on to, to remember how amazing it felt to just be so liberated and so free from this addiction. I'm trying to now recreate that. That is amazing. And I feel like those are exactly the words of courage, encouragement that anybody who has even the tiniest piece of or something to resonate with uh, from this episode can really take with them and liberate themselves in that way, whether it be like a big step, whether it be a small step in their life. I feel like you're helping so, so many people. But if someone who is listening and wants to take those first steps to stop, because I'm someone who cannot quit cold turkey. I I cannot. I I need to have like a step-by-step process of like toning it down, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> toning it down over a period and I, I cannot quit cold turkey. So what would you recommend to people who are feeling this way and like want to stop and take back that power in, of their of their own lives? Yeah, totally. So a few things. Um, I think the first thing that I think helps is just getting more and more awareness around how this impacts you and to know that you're not alone. So I'm not trying to plug myself here, but like come and watch my videos because like, you know, for yourself, I just think it's like anything, you need a community around you of people who understand what you're going through and who normalize your experience and validate you in what you're going through. So I would say, come and hang out on TikTok and, um, and come and connect with myself and with, and with all the other people in the community. And just to know, first of all, that, yeah, you're not alone in what you're experiencing. And then the next thing I would say is, I think it starts in the mind before taking the physical steps of not fake tanning. So really starting to, yeah, as I said, bring awareness to it in your mind and question yourself. Like, where does this come from? Do I, do I really want to keep going with this or do I actually want to try and overcome it? Um, and start to question your habits a bit. Um, and then from there, I think it's about gradually toning it down, I think is a great way to do it. Like if you're an ultra darker, you know, go to dark then maybe medium, then light and just, you know, give yourself time as well. Like, I think that's what I've really learned from this whole experience is you cannot rush yourself and you have to, yeah, just give yourself time to, to come around. Cause it can be quite a confronting thing. Um, and yeah, gradually wean yourself down and then, there is a point though, where you sort of have to decide to be ready. Like if you're, I would say if you're feeling an overwhelming urge that you do want to stop, even though you're afraid, that's when it's time to just, just say to yourself, like, okay, this one week, I'm not going to fake tan and I'm just going to see how it feels. If I want to go back to fake tanning next week, I can right? Because you don't want to create that restriction in your mind. Cause that's when we freak out. So it's like, if I want to do it again next week, I absolutely can, but I'm just going to try not doing it for a week and see how I feel. 
And maybe you might like it. Maybe you might feel good. It might not be as scary as you think. And then you can kind of slowly take it from there. And and that's sort of where I'm up to in, in my own journey. So I hope that helps if that's useful. It really does because a few minutes ago I was feeling like I really want to take all my fake tan bottles and just like pump them down the drain. But I feel like if I do that... I'm just going to go, I'm I'm going to get into this like panic mindset in like a week or so when I want to have some sort of event to go to. And I'm just going to like run to the store and it, I'm just going to fall and I'm going to feel worse about myself. So maybe leaving that door open, having some sort of safety net to fall back that one time if I want to do it, that is massive advice. Mm, oh, good. Yeah, totally. Leave that door open. Like I've still got a whole stash of fake tan in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm not, you know, Maybe cold turkey works for some people, like just totally cutting it, throwing everything out. But um, yeah, I think it's like creating safety in your brain because I think with something that has such a hold over us as humans, we can go into fight or flight mode really easily. So it's like just keeping your nervous system calm and being like, no, no, if you want to, you can. And yeah, just don't just give yourself as much time as you need and, and get yourself into a community of people who get it people who are on the same journey, I think that really, really helps. Like it's helped me, you know, even just speaking to my audience, speaking to people in the community, talking to yourself, just hearing other people, it it really, really has helped me as well. So yeah. Like having that community, it's so important to be around people who understand because our families, our friends, our partners, they, they, they have no idea that you may be going through this. So having that huge, huge community of people who maybe even share tips or tricks or even keep you strong in that moment of desperation is definitely going to help. Definitely. So do you have any big plans for your community in the future? Um, potentially. I, so oh, something I guess I didn't mention before is that I, like my main, my job really is I am a coach. Um, I was a life coach for a few years and then I transitioned into business coaching. So I've worked in the space of helping people for a number of years now, and I really love it. It's what I'm so passionate about. And um, I would love to, at some point, you know, maybe create something for people who want it and who need it as even what you mentioned before, like maybe a sort of step-by-step system, something people can take and use to help them overcome their own addiction. And, um, that's something that I sort of can foresee. And I would love to create that when I'm ready as, as I'm going through it, but yeah, so that might be coming. So stay tuned for that. But also in the meantime, I just want to continue providing value where I can and, um, connecting with as many people as I can. And we can only have the TikTok algorithm to, to thank for that. (laughs) (laughs) 100%. And people like you are spreading awareness through your podcast. So thank you. Absolutely. I'm I'm so happy that, uh, well, first of all, that I found you. Second of all, for you to be even doing this. And third of all, to, to say thank you for being on this podcast and spreading that awareness that we so desperately need. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Quick plug, if someone really wants to join your community, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can find me on TikTok and Instagram. My handle is just Recovering Tanaholic. Um, I'm mainly posting on TikTok, but I do have an Instagram just in case someone wants to send me a DM there or reach out there, they can. Um, but yeah, Recovering Tanaholic, that's where it's at. All right, everybody go check out Mimi and share the love that she so well puts out into the world. Give her some of that love back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much again. And thank you everybody else for listening. And we will see you guys next week.